welcome to Inside the Piranha Club. We'll take a look back at the Miami Grand Prix with all the glitz and glamour and another Max Verstappen win as he extends his lead in the championship. I'm Rebecca Clancy. And I'm Ben Hunt. And for a remarkably boring race in Florida, there's quite a lot to talk about. Shall we just start at the beginning with Max Verstappen? Yep. Because it's his third race from five, third win, sorry, from five races. It was I would argue his most dominant. He had started ninth after a mistake in qualifying uh, and then an early red flag meant he couldn't improve. Um, I wasn't as shocked as uh, certain commentators I heard who hadn't expected him to win. Um, I'm not really sure why anyone was surprised that he won. Um, I felt a bit like, you know, we said this in the last podcast at Baku that Max was in a real grump, wasn't he, in Baku? Yeah. Don't yeah, really know what himself. was going on. But he wasn't mm. there. He hates the sprint. He made it quite clear. And I felt like there was almost, there was so much chatter about his teammate, Sergio Perez, potentially taking the lead in the championship. So Perez was only six points behind Verstappen coming into this weekend. So if Perez had won, he'd have led the championship. And it was almost a bit like Verstappen just went, no, no, like, come on, guys, let's get this into perspective here. I'm going to be the champion. I'll turn up this weekend and I'll just extend the, my lead, which he has done. He's now got a 14 point lead in the championship because he got the bonus point as well for fastest lap. And it was almost just a bit like, no, screw you lot. I'm, I'm yeah. the best. Yeah, it was interesting when he um, when he turned up. He was kind of in a a better mood. I, I made issue of um, his mood in the last race, and I was I couldn't quite put my finger on why he was also being so sulky and petulant. And you know, people you know, uh, on Twitter were saying, no, he's always like that. But he, he, he isn't. He'd been kind of happy and sort of well-behaved, if you like. But, yeah, he, he was back to his usual self, shall we say, at this one. Um, I'll take your point um, with regards to, you know, it, it what kind of was predictable. People, you know, local, when you talk to local fans here, they're like, who, you know, who's going to win? And, um, you know, there was a lot of hope that Perez would do it. Um, but whenever I was asked, I was, you know, said, you know, Max will win. You know, he's only in ninth. And I know we can't overtake too much because change of DRS zones, et cetera, um, you know, and, and reducing the opportunity that drivers get to overtake. Um, but I thought he had enough in the car and himself to do it. And it was no surprise for me um, seeing him on different strategy to what Perez was and thought, you know, he's going to win. And and lo and behold, he did. Um, you mentioned it boring. I, being here, I don't think I, I found it that boring. Um, it wasn't a massive spectacle. I think it was better than Baku. I think that there were genuine overtakes. Um, you know, maybe I did get sucked into all the excitement and, you know, the, the, the grid and, and the A-listers and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, but it was good. It was quite a good experience, actually, I would say. I mean, you know, I remember last year, Beck, you were saying that it wasn't great. It was very busy and... Yeah, it was a very stories. corporate race last year. Yeah, and, and and I think that, you know, they learned their lesson this time around. There was a lot more stuff for fans. Um, and also the corporate side of things, you know, we got a bit of a glimpse on Sunday and you could see just the lengths they were going to and they were putting on a, a really good show um, and, and they obviously got big plans, you know. Well, the, we'll, we'll the, come to that because <clears throat> yeah, sure. the drivers are not happy. Yes. But on, you're right about the overtakes. I'll give you that because the move that Verstappen made on Magnussen and Leclerc in one corner to mm -hmm. move up two spots was very impressive. But that, I feel like it just showed, it highlighted how much quicker the Red Bull is in a straight line. This, yeah. The speed advantage is just ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. I was having a disagreement over dinner last night. I, I thought that drivers could have been a bit more punchy, got their elbows out 
for me, it felt they were almost like they were pulling to one side to allow him through. There's but why like bother a, a, fighting? Because you know he's going to get you. And DRS makes it too easy. Yeah, this is the, the argument the other person made. And I think if we're talking about the show and the excitement, we need to be seeing drivers fighting for every single p- position. You know, we often hear on the, the team's radio, you know, let him go. That's not our fight. Our fight is with, you know, someone else. That's not, you know, I don't, I, I find to, that hard to take. I know it's all strategy and obviously, you know, it, the teams are all playing this out and working it out and, you know, realising where they are in the fight. But every position should matter. And I think that there shouldn't be any of this easy, soft you know, rolling over. That's what makes me frustrated because you think, oh, here's something, something's going to happen. And of course the commentators build it up and we get excited. And then lo and behold, someone pulls over and he goes through and you think it's just too easy. Either, Either he's really good at it and I'm missing something or I think that they're rolling over and that's sad. Well, I, I, I wonder if Verstappen thinks the same thing in a way because he actually didn't have a very good start. He wasn't mm. being particularly aggressive. He actually dropped a place down to 10th. Yeah. Um, and he he has so much faith in himself, as he rightly should because he is a superb driver, and that car, which is by a mile the fastest on the grid. He just knows that he doesn't actually need to get himself into a tangle off the line because it, yeah. because for him, track position isn't actually that important on the starting grid. You see, this is this is the thing, right? So, and I think this is why Baku was so odd for me. You know, Lewis used to talk about, Lewis Hamilton used to say things like, you know, a race isn't won on the first lap and, and it's growing with that maturity and understanding that. And he used to say that quite a lot when, you know, in his later career, he'd say, you know, take it easy on the first couple of laps. Um, we didn't see that with Max, did we, in, in Azerbaijan when he clattered into, um, into George? And, and that's, I think, why that, that race was so different, and he, and he was sort of. I think he might argue that George Clatton. Well, he did, didn't he? But uh, <laughs> you know, six or one half does another. But but certainly putting your car in that place to take that risk yeah. was totally unnecessary. Um, and, and as I say, I think we saw more of a, a calculated approach, and you know, it was good result for him, good result for Red Bull, one two as a team. Um, I felt for Perez, um, but ultimately, even he turned around at the end of the day and said, "Sorry, you know, couldn't do it." Well, I'm Max. He did a good race, fully deserves it. So, seems to be all happy in that camp as well, which kills another story for us. No, it's not though, is it? It's, I mean, Verstappen <laughs> ended up winning that race by more than five seconds from his teammate, who's driving exactly the same machinery. Mm. He shouldn't be opening up margins like that. And then it was another thirty seconds back to Fernando Alonso and the Aston Martin in third. So. <sighs> I don't think that camp is all happy, I have to say. I do yeah. think that throw will reemerge again. Perez was on such a high after winning the last race in Baku, wasn't he? And then, yeah. you know, he's basically just been put back in his place. Yeah. Um, he doesn't take well to being told that or being shown that he's the number two driver. Um, so I, I think there'll be uh, some some uh, friction, shall we say, in Red Bull. Would be my well, suspicion. I- well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right because we need to be writing about something, don't we? We do. Um, because you know. is is this it? Is was you know George Russell had the doom and gloom prediction at the start that Red Bull are going to win every race. They have mm. won every race so far. Mm. It's without a reliability issue, which they don't seem to suffer. I just don't see. I mean, Fernando Alonso was very good actually because he said, you know, I want more. That he he's finished third four out of the five races. Absolutely yeah. amazing. He obviously wants to go up the grid. Yeah. Um, I just don't see anyone else other than Red Bull winning. But, you know, we do get freak races. Yeah. And we are coming into Europe now, which leads us very nicely onto Mercedes because it Mm -hmm. was an all right day for them. Not not the end of the world. Um, George Russell finished fourth. Lewis Hamilton was sixth. 
Um, they have got big, big upgrades coming at the next race in Imola in two weeks. Toto Wolf was quite brutal about the car on Saturday night, wasn't he? Yeah, they need those upgrades, don't they? A bit of work. The, I mean, the upgrades can't come soon enough. This car is... I mean, I cannot imagine how frustrated Lewis Hamilton must be thinking, well, I'm just not going to get my eighth, am I? And it's not going to push him to sign a contract, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he's more motivated. I was. Right. I mean, obviously, the, the damage for Lewis was done on, on qualifying. Yeah. Um, you know, finish, starting the race in 13th is, you know, starting a fight with one arm behind your back. Um, so, you know, respect that he got back to sixth, which was a, a good achievement. Um, yeah, it's still not working for them, is it? You know, George is doing well, you know, still delivering. Um, you know, he, he, he has been doing well in qualifying, um, but also did well in the race, finished fourth. So quite a good good result from, from his perspective. Lewis obviously had that issue on Saturday, but um, yeah, they've got work to do. And I think that's, it's also plainly evident, isn't it, that they're just so far behind. I, I don't understand how they're still so far behind. And, you know, what if they have put, oh, oh, okay, I'm really surprised by how much weight they've put on these upgrades in Imola because if they don't work, mm. I mean, they're, they're absolutely stuffed, aren't they? I'm I'm surprised they've been so, I mean, they to be fair to Total Wolf, he is quite an open and honest guy. Um, I don't feel like he lies to us. Um, but I'm surprised he's been bigging it up so much about what's to come because surely from that position, they can only fail. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, he is making all these bold claims and promises, but then, of course, we saw that at the start of the year as well, didn't we? Sort of an almost smugness at the launch of the car, you know, where they were making all the right noises and saying, yeah, very confident, car looks great, as everyone does at a car launch, by the way. But um, they certainly came into the start of the year feeling like they'd done a good job. So let's see. I mean, let's see what happens. Yeah, um, let's move on to Ferrari because I can't help but feel that Charles Leclerc has completely lost faith in that car. Two mistakes in two days in practice on Friday. Quali, mm. he made a mistake. Uh, he was uh, he crashed out, which is the reason for the Q3 finishing early. There wasn't enough time to restart the session. Um, he had an all right race. He recovered. He finished the race in seventh. His teammate Carlos Sainz finished in fifth. Uh, Sainz obviously had a terrible outing in Baku and improved this weekend. But some of the comments that Leclerc was making over the radio and um, just he, he was obviously quite critical about himself, as he always is when he makes a mistake. Mm. I can't help but feel he just doesn't have any faith in that car. Yeah, some of the discussions they're having were very open, weren't they, and surprising mm. radio chat. Um, you know, almost basics. And it, it was, it felt like he was enjoying his first season in the team, didn't it? It didn't feel like someone that's been there for donkey's years and should know everything and, and, and everything should be all running smoothly. Um, they just seem to continue to fail to deliver um, in, um, in terms of expectation. Uh, and I feel for him because, it, you know, this is his chance to, you know, give us all something to, you know, get excited about, take the fight to Max. Mm. The car's actually, car's actually quick, you know, in quality. He's still, apart from this weekend, g generally he's <laughs> he's quick in, in quality and that ability to put a lap together is great, but he's just not able to convert it on a Sunday. And and I guess it's just a case of Red Bull being super strong, but also operationally Ferrari again, that seems to be their weakness. Yeah, they, I don't understand how they have such a quick car on a Saturday and they have a dog of a car on the Sunday. Their just car doesn't translate to a race car at all. You know, we've seen Leclerc on pole in Baku, not a surprise. He probably is currently the quickest over one lap, I would argue. As you mm. say, the Ferrari's a decent car. I just don't understand why it's not translating on the Sunday. I don't, I don't know if Fred Fisser, who's come in as the new team principal, 
is enough going on behind the scenes? Have has he made enough changes? Is he, you know, are they listening to the drivers? Are they giving them what they need? I mean, Ferrari is supposed to, as far as we're aware, be completely molded around Leclerc. Yeah. He is their, you know, golden boy. He is the championship contender that they think. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand that, that that relationship seems to be turning sour quite quickly. Yeah, it doesn't seem to have the um, the boost that I think that everyone expected it to have. You know, it was Charles and Fred know each other so well. Yeah, exactly. Um, good relationship in the past, and you thought that that translated to success. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's not working. Um, I'm not massively convinced that perhaps Fred was the right man in the you know in the first place. You know, he obviously did a fairly good job. Um, you know, Alfa Romeo, but. Um, really I don't know is he the best person they could get I, d- I don't know is the answer but it just just feels very you know lukewarm you know in terms yeah. of it's not clicking is it up there. no no absolutely no, it's a funny one um, sticking with the teams before we get to uh, the Americanization of F1 shall yeah. we call it um, I want to talk about McLaren because mm. they slowest car slowest car of the weekend they arrived in Baku at the last race with apparently mm. the car they were supposed to start the season yep. with Everyone thought it was going to be an improvement. It, I mean, it really, really wasn't. It's an absolute dog of a car. Lando Norris finished 17th. Oscar Piastri finished 19th. It was awful. It is yeah. awful. And we've spoken about McLaren, so we're not going to dwell too much on it. But I'm wondering if Zach Brown needs to start taking a bit more flack for the situation that they're mm-hmm. in. I feel a bit like he's been giving an easy ride. And also, Andreas Seidel, who was the team principal for the last few yeah. years there and has jumped ship over to uh, Sauber as it becomes Audi. He's a, he used to work for Audi, so he knows the company well. They have Andrea Stella in now, but I don't. I feel like Seidel's got away with it somehow and he's not getting <laughs> the stick. But also, Zach Brown is the chief executive of McLaren Racing. Yeah. They are going backwards faster than they're going forwards. And it's just... It's awful to watch, I have to say. Lando mm. Norris is a superb driver. None of us want to... Well, no, we've known him for a long time. We've known him since his junior category days. Yep. Don't want to see him in this position. He is super talented. He's certainly talented enough to be fighting at the front. He is one of the many... Well, not every driver, I don't think, deserves a place on the grid, but he is certainly one of them who does. Um, I just don't understand how they are still in such a dog of a position. Well... I mean, firstly, Seidel, he looks like a genius, doesn't he, having moved at the right time. You know, he's not copying any flack for this. Um, I understand why he moved. You know, his family were in Germany and he didn't want to spend all that time commuting between Germany and and the UK, especially with so many races. So that's, you know, I get that. Um, I did have a chuckle, actually. Because you had uh, Jeff Bezos, didn't you, the Amazon um, yeah. founder, and he was a guest of McLaren. Um, I, I believe he was wearing a team kit uh, and looking at, looking around the team wearing the team kit, which is uh, very, very, um, very, very interesting. But of course, he was being shown around by Zach Brown, and you know, you've got one very successful businessman and another. To be fair to Zach, he's <laughs> done very well. And um, all of a sudden, you can imagine that that meeting afterwards. It's the, what happened? What went wrong? Why are you both your drivers so slow? Um, yeah. And then Zach's obviously got to explain it. But um, yeah, he 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 must be feeling the heat. Um, you know, an American on American soil, lots of people there, lots of sponsors. You know, there's tons of sponsors on that car, um, and of course, people will still start looking and saying, hang on a minute, what's going wrong? I think what he has done, he's he's bought himself some time, probably 
six to 12 months by um, sacking James Key, who was responsible for designing this car. Um, he's sort of been made a, a scapegoat or whether you say that or whether it's actually rightly so, because obviously the, the, the car isn't as good as it should be. So um, I think Zach's bought himself a little bit of time. Um, but of course, yeah, all eyes on McLaren at the moment, turning up at, at this race and having the slowest car on track, two great drivers just struggling is not great. It's not a good look. Um, and of course, yeah, you know, are those sponsors going to be happy? Are the shareholders going to be happy? Absolutely not. And this is where the pressure starts to build. But of course, Zach knows that he's got to got to turn it around. I know that he's enlisting the help of a, a few others and experienced heads. I think Jill DeFerrin's coming back to help out. Um, you know, he, he needs all the help he can get at the moment just to turn that oil tanker around and, and get it pointing in the right direction because, you know, these changes can't happen overnight. Again, you know, like you mentioned Mercedes earlier on and talking about the upgrades and the boost and everything will be all right when these upgrades turn up. Well, McLaren have had those and they're still not any quick quicker uh, than the rest. So, um, you know, big, big warning sign that they need to do better. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Aston Martin quickly? I've already mentioned Alonso being uh, finishing third for the fourth time this season. Yeah, Lance Stroll um, was 12th. Yeah, is yeah. Alonso outperforming the car or is the car really that good and Lance Stroll is that bad? This is what I can't can't quite get my head around. Yeah, it makes you wonder about last year, doesn't it, with Sebastian Vettel, how good that car was. Um, you know, if, if if Fernando was in that car, would it have been better? Um, yeah. You know, I think we saw two things about, I don't, don't really want to look too much about last year, but of course there was the, the, the Vettel pre-retirement announcement and post-retirement announcement. And the moment that he announced he was retiring, he seemed to get the best out of the car and had some great races. Um, with regards to who's doing better the car or Alonso it's always Alonso he always gets more out of the car and I think that you're you're starting to see that now with the performances if you look at what he's achieving compared to his teammate um and also very different approaches you know you've got um, Alonso cruising around and you know making suggestions to the team and you know almost watching the race on the big screen as he goes around and then compare that to Lance Stroll, who's shouting at his team, tell me this, tell me that, why don't you tell me, you know, you should tell me earlier, you know, very panicked, um, you know, process of shouting back at his team. It's absolutely chalk and cheese. Um, Alonso is loving his time there. You know, the, the <laughs> comments are fantastic. Absolutely. That radio gold. message. Yeah. Did you, the, the radio message where he said, oh, that was a great overtake by Lance. Yeah. Where, where into turn, I think it was turn one. Yeah. And what position was it for? And he, and then he said afterwards, "Oh, you know, I was a bit of a, I was on a bit of a lonely race. I was just sort of trundling around. There's a big screen, and I just happened to catch it. And I yeah. thought, if you manage to see the overtake, you know exactly what position it's for." The, the the comments as well, you know, he says things like, "This is the best car, the fastest car I've ever driven in my life." There was the yeah. other comment, wasn't it? Um, yeah. You know, uh, what did he say? The Ferraris were worse than expected. Yeah. You know, that's an absolute killer quote, isn't it? If you're <laughs> if you're a Ferrari thinking. What's our, what's our former man up to? And he's sitting there saying, you know, actually they're a bit rubbish and we're much better. It's just it's just wonderful, isn't it? It really is. Alonso, yeah, I mean, he's not going to waste an opportunity to stick it to Ferrari. He didn't enjoy his time there, did he? Let's let's say that. First first podium in the uh, in the US since 2012 for Alonso. Yeah, I suspect not his last either, given the way he's driving. Um, right, Ben, you're in Miami, yeah. a coastal town in South Florida. I'm near the Everglades. You haven't seen the sea? Yeah. Okay. Well, you have, you're near the Everglades, but you haven't seen an alligator either. I'm disappointed um, at that. Absolutely you're saying, disappointed. You're saying you still got 12 hours before your flight, so you've got time. The big talking point, I suppose, was this 
push to mm. um I I cringed this introduction by LL Cool J, the music written by Will I Am, who was conducting mm. the orchestra. Um, the presentation of each driver. We'll come on to the booing of Verstappen in a second. Uh, it was for me quite cringeworthy. The drivers fairly unanimously didn't like it. You did you go on the grid? I know you're not always a I fan did. of going on the grid. Yeah, I did. Fear of getting um, stuck, stuck and run over by a car. <laughs> yeah, I think that's valid. I think that's valid. I mean, for context here, when I first got this job oh, back in 2012, and uh, I went to Australia it, it, and my actual nightmare was actually based in Monaco where I would be asleep and have this terrible dream that the race would start and I'd be stuck on the grid and I'd have to find somewhere to hide. And so I was hiding under the, uh, behind the armco. So hide, hiding behind the barriers and uh, hiding from the TV cameras because I didn't want to be picked up as being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's just terrifying, just terrifying. Um <laughs> But anyway, yes, um, what was you talking about, being here? Um, grid was busy. The grid was busy. Too busy? Too busy? I thought it was too busy last year. I thought it was dangerously busy. No, it's fine this time around. There was a bit of more shuffling around. Um, uh, they'd moved things around, so a lot of the team buildings were actually on the on the pitch this time around. So there's quite a lot of room in the paddock this time, and it was, it was fine. With regards to actually on the grid itself, that was fine as well. I mean, I did scoot off a little bit earlier because... I wanted to be able to see the dreadful uh, presentation. Um, I've got to be honest, I've never laughed so hard um, <laughs> in my life. When they before before they do this on the Saturday night, they do a, a rehearsal, and um, they had all these local actors or not actors, just generally people. And there's Will I Am conducting this orchestra and LL Cool J reading out the names, and then you've got this these normal people walking out with their names stuck across their chest, you know, and this person walked out with Logan Sargent on the chest. And I just went, I was laughing so hard. I had tears coming down. I couldn't stand up. It was, it was actually beginning to hurt in my, in the middle of my, um, in the middle of my chest. There's a wonderful video, which um, no one will ever see back. They've assured me where I'm absolutely broken. Um, and of course they're calling out and they're going, here's Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton walks out and it's, most definitely not Lewis Hamilton. Um, I do you know what? I actually quite like all that. Um, I'm a big fan of added value. Um, I love the fact that fans pay money and come to see this stuff. And there was only F1 and the Porsche Super Cup on this bill, so there's a lot of time of waiting around, not much going on. Yeah, okay. And you know, these these a lot of these people don't really know. Um, what these drivers look like. And I've got another story here about this. Um, the guys at ESPN um, went round to ask the American fans what they thought of, um, you know, what they thought of the the race and, and who they thought they were going to win. And uh, this is a great story. Um, they said to, to some of the fans, what do you think about um, Mitch Clements? How do you think Mitch Clements is going to do? Um, you know, a totally bogus name that they've made up. And some of the fans, four out of six, they asked, thought that Mitch Clements was going to have a good race. Um, you know, like never. You know, I, I think I think he could do kind of well. Yeah, maybe score some points. And, oh, no. uh, oh, it was wonderful, and that they, they, you know, they stitched those poor people up. But it was it was great. But it also told you that people were willing to pay four hundred dollars plus to come to an event where they don't know many of the drivers. They certainly don't know what they look like. Um, you know, Mitch Clements had a, you know, he had a great race actually. I mean, you know, going from the back to the front. Um, no, and uh, you know, I think that giving them this opportunity to see them and see what they look like is great, you know? 
Yeah, so I actually think that's a good point. And, and, and them all moaning about, oh, it's hot, and we've stayed around for half an hour. Oh, come on. Yeah. You know, this is part of the job. This is part of the sell. You know, you knew it was on the schedule. Don't complain. You know, it yeah. was there. And they have cool um, jackets. Yeah, of course. Yeah, cool, cool jackets. That's which the thing are, I didn't you know, really understand. Oh, it's so hot. Oh, and it's like, well, you all have cool jackets and you all have cool, umbrellas. Cool jackets, which are a frozen um, like little vest, if you like, yeah. but they contain water, which sits in the freezer. And they're like frozen um, ice poles and uh, keeps them cool while they're waiting to, to get going. But that's I now have an image show. in my head of like someone walking up to a driver wearing one and just licking it. Yeah, called it an ice cold. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. But it, it, it's a really good point that you make because I found it cringe. But mm. you know, I'm not I'm not really into all that kind of stuff, I suppose. But mm. when Liberty bought the sport, one of the first things they said was that they wanted to make every single driver a superstar. And yeah. it's a really difficult sport in the sense they all wear helmets. So yeah, yeah, no one knows what they look like. Um, I barely know what some of them look like. What what, what um, I would say though, what what I would say is though, if you if you are going to do this at this particular race, then you've got to do it everywhere. Because Fernando made this point in the press conference afterwards, you shouldn't treat the fans of Miami any different yeah. to the fans in Imola, Absolutely. Mexico City, Silverstone. They all deserve this. Let's make it a regular thing. Okay, maybe not with the, the funny stage and the dry ice and, and the will-I-ams because – I don't know if we've got time to talk about that single because it's absolutely. Yeah, have you do seen it. the single? Oh my God, there's a single which they've. Will I Am's in collaboration with F1 to produce some music. And this music is to um, feature whenever there's like a, you know, like cars come into Park Ferme. We have a situation where there's some races where we have DJs and they play music once the race stops, which is great for atmosphere. The fans love it. Um, and. You know, it's all it's all good, but the TV companies are a little bit hesitant because they don't know if the DJ has the rights to this music, whether they have the rights themselves to broadcast it. So there's an issue, um, you know, an issue with regards to music rights. So what they're going to do is they're going to get Will I Am and and then his mates to produce some music which they can play at various intervals during a race weekend, and they have produced it and they have released um, the first version. Um, and I urge anyone to 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 have a look at the um have a look at the video it's called the formula and it features uh little wayne um not big wayne little wayne little, um, little. i don't even yes. know it's got a t in it yeah indeed uh and it's absolutely horrendous the video was shot in saudi arabia earlier this year it features uh will i am uh, wearing a heavily branded mercedes jacket it features a car which has saudi arabian logos all over it and you know it's 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 interesting um but the the video and the song is just it's just horrendous i'm trying to find the lyrics here um, George, George, our producer, is currently cracking up at old man Ben pronouncing it yeah. Little Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I've in, I've insisted on calling um, Will I Am William all weekend, um, <laughs> and, and Little Wayne has has been little. Well, little, little Wayne has been Little Wayne. Here we it go. doesn't we, need to be as long, right? I mean, that's the thing. The, the whole introduction doesn't need all the. It doesn't need quite the same fanfare. Just uh, Formula One did say in advance that it was um, they're only going to do it at eight or so races, which I, gonna, I agree with Alonso. Are you going to play it? Aren't you? I know I'm going to tell you it. Okay, you are small. You are small fry. Need ketchup. Fall behind, or you can catch up. <laughs> uh, uh, that's true. That's that's a line in the song. Oh um, dear, it, it is bad. Got them braided like Lewis. Got a Mercedes like Lewis. That's with regards to Lewis's hair. That's 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 Mr. Wayne's bit. 
Um, <laughs> and like he said, <laughs> your girl, my co-captain, driving like Max Verstappen. Oh, some dodgy rhyming going on here. This is my world. I'm your champion. <laughs> I mean, please check it out. I hope Google they didn't it. pay a lot of money for that. Well, Although you know they anyway. did. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea. I get it. You know, actually, what, what I was trying to say at the start there, all my, my my nonsense, is that there's a practical purpose for this, and it's a good idea. But, um, you know, the actual first instalment is pretty dreadful from my my point of view. Pretty embarrassing. Um, like everything I say about F one, very good, but could do better. You know, I sound like a teacher there, don't I? Marking some work, but you know, nice idea, good effort, but could do better. And and that's how I feel about uh, about that. And so, uh, yeah, there we go. Um, just want to very quickly before we wrap up, mm-hmm. uh, the nonsense on the grid of the security guards and Jackie Stewart's, uh, Sir Jackie Stewart, excuse me. Well, he was, you know, the, I was watching it back and I know that guy. That guy was the guy that turned my um, my pass off in, in Saudi Arabia a few years ago when I was, I got, you know, when the missile went off and I, and I yep. made my little way to um, the paddock and I took a picture saying, wow, you know, so much for security I got here. And um, the geezer turned my pass off and, and told me off. And I told him off because effectively I was doing my job and he felt that he was doing his and we were at loggerheads. So I saw him and he was the guy that, that stopped a, the poor old Sir Jackie who um, who got, you know, pushed around a bit, didn't he? Was yeah, he 80, it was 83. It's unnecessarily aggressive, I thought, when he was quite clearly saying that he was going to get Roger Federer. That was the whole mm. point. He was talking. So Sir Jackie Stewart was talking to Martin Brundle. He was doing his grid walk, and Sir Jackie, who was there on behalf of Rolex, uh, Roger Federer, who I believe was also there on behalf of Rolex. So they were together. Basically, is the point. Um, said, "Oh, I'll just go and grab him," and tried to, and then it got a bit heavy-handed and uncomfortable to watch. Mm. Yeah, it was actually, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, it's a shame that that was all all going on. Um, I suspect there'll be some. Uh, Stern conversations had today and all well, this morning in F1. Well, well, so Jackie tweeted. I didn't even know he tweeted, mm. but he was, he was he, he put a funny message, didn't he? Saying, um, first time I'd been ever, you know, shown outside the ropes or inside the ropes, and but I'll do anything for you, Martin Brundle, which was quite funny. Yeah. I can't play. imagine it was actually Jackie who uh, tweeted. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, uh, we can pretend. Yes. So, um, uh, well, you've got, as I said, probably about eleven hours left now before your flight. No, my my flight's just gone back. Even I'm, oh I, no, I get this these is dreadful, the joys of uh, F one. Yeah, I get these dreadful messages saying your flight's been delayed. Um, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours. I don't know. It's just going up at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I could be here a while. Well, so, I stayed in South Beach last year, and I can highly recommend it, you day yeah, down there. Thanks. Thanks. I'm looking out yeah. on a, a motorway, and I've got a shopping centre on the other side of the road. So. Maybe I'll just go and wander around the shopping malls. Yeah. Any other um, gossip from the weekend? So you've had some quite good tales. It's, um, see, this is the point of the podcast. We're, you know, actually on the ground. Yeah, yeah. A um, few, few interesting things. Mammy, um, obviously pleased with the race, made some good changes. They're considering doing a night race, which will be interesting. Um, putting in some um, floodlights. I think it would look good under under the lights. Yeah. Do you think <laughs> um, they need to change the track layout, though, to make it race? Uh, Maybe. I mean, they're, they're, I think the good thing about them and, and, and speaking to them um, is the fact that they are open to change. You know, they realized the catering yeah. wasn't very good last year and they changed that. And they realized that there were pinch points with regards to fans getting around. So what they did is just double the size of all those bridges and oh, everything. Good. So, you know, they learn, you know, we go to so many tracks where they don't learn and things get worse over the years. Whereas this felt like a good fan experience. 
and they made improvements. So, you know, that's, that's great. Um, in regards to next year, I'm hearing things about the calendar could be all change. Um, you know, there's still rumors that it's going to be Australia. Some people say Bahrain, some people say, um, Saudi. So, um, I think that's starting the calendar. Yep. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it couldn't be the Middle East because it clashes with Ramadan. Yeah, the suggestion now that they maybe they could get it in or squeeze one race, um, oh, it, and it just depends on which one it, it is, um, whether it's one of those th- you know two Middle Eastern races. But if it's not, then it could be four separate trips to the Middle East. Um, mm. So uh, yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that comes out over the next couple of months. Um, yeah, it's was, it was pretty pretty good, as you say, for stories. I'm trying to wrap my brains now, but it's it's a bit. Early <laughs> well, I mean, in the to, here. to be fair to my to be fair to Miami, the Grand Prix, they um, they hired a British PR woman who they actually she moved out there for six months before the race to get everything in order and to make sure it was right and to kind of pass on her. She's very experienced. She's worked in F1 a long time, mm. um, and so she passed on a lot of her learnings to the GP, the promoter, and they've obviously taken them on board. So fair yep. play to them because they need it to work, right? We can't be talking about Netflix, Drive to Survive, bringing in all these fans and that is the race that they are watching. But that's, mm. you know, that's not going to keep fans on board. That's not going to keep, that won't keep Netflix happy because no one's going to keep watching if the reality of the racing is so much worse than yep. the documentary yep. itself. Well, I, funny you should mention that. The, the thing I have obviously forgot to mention was the film as well. You know, the, the F1 oh, film. Oh, yeah. Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Is make, Brad Pitt is making. And there was a few, um, you know, people tweeting incorrect stuff. And Yeah, he is of, not driving an F1 car. He is not driving an F1 car, but he is driving at the British Grand Prix. It's just that he there is. won't be any other cars on track. The car is uh, it's supposed to look like an F1 car, but it's actually probably an F3 f2 type car so that's the sort of um power underneath but of course it's going to look very good um yeah. i understand that um from silverstone they're going to be creating an 11th team which um will be good so they have their own team garage the car will be in there um the rumor is they've employed a, a whole pit crew so they'll be wow. filming people to do pit stops and almost acting like a, a an f1 team but just not obviously on the track at the same time um, Brad Pitt's been practicing. I understand he's been. Oh, practicing. I was going to ask this question because you know nobody can jump into an F two or F three no, car no, no, or an F four been... car without like single seater. You need to have you know put, yeah. put the work in. So I presume he's having lessons. Yeah, and someone told me that he was in um, Paul Ricard and he spent four days oh. there. So uh, I don't know if that's true. That was just a rumor going around. So uh, if that is the case, then yeah. Great. Well, he Good certainly needs to be doing something like that, doesn't he? And I presume yeah. he'll be asking the teams to go in the sim, will he? I don't know. I don't mm. know. But um, he's certainly getting his hands on. Um, they're all very excited. Um, you know, they're yeah. talking about all these different cameras that are going to be built within the car, you know, 6K cameras the size of your palm of your hand and, and all very good. So it's sort of taking the technology that was in Top Gun um, and, and using those cameras, but obviously shrinking it down because obviously the weight as such has got to fit within an F1 cockpit rather than a, uh, that of a fighter jet. So, um, yeah, it's all very exciting. You know, it's yeah. definitely gathering pace. There's lots more people involved in the project. Uh, Lewis says that he wants it to be the most authentic, um, you know, experience as it can be so that people like us who, who know F1 can relate to it. So it appeals to us as well as the the new fan as well. So, yeah, big job. You know, I think that we're all very <laughs> critical. Um, and, uh, they're, but they're certainly getting help and, and fair play to Liberty for getting on board with that. Yeah, but they actually seem to be doing it properly. They're investing a lot. You know, mm. we, we we still don't know the script, um, although 
we kind of oh, sort of have it. had a hint about it, yeah. yeah. Old driver, young gun, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think fair play to them. And, it, and it's great for Formula One, but I I've, don't I've, think they can keep doing these projects unless they're going to make sure the driving, the racing is better. Oh. I've made a joke about the uh, the cliffhanger ending where we're sat there four hours waiting for an FIA, FIA <laughs> investigation into a minor rule breach which threatens to lose someone the race or something. Sorry, oh, just, sorry to spoil it. I don't um, think the FIA will even get mentioned. Well, do you know what? I, I, I joke with someone. This was the first race report where I didn't mention the FIA for ages. I feel wow. like I missed out. Yeah, there was no drama, was there? There was no Well, there was no bloopers. yellow flags. No red flags, no no anything, nothing no, happened. Do you know what? No one even retired from the race. Even Logan no. Sargent came home in last place. <laughs> the local boy from down the road in Fort Lauderdale. Absolutely, yeah. Somewhere else you haven't been. Yeah. <laughs> Should explain, by the way, that Miami is enormous and the racetrack actually isn't in Miami. If you asked a local, it's in Miami Gardens, which is about 45 minutes north of Miami. So it's not just Ben being lazy in the hotel. They're not actually that close together. Hey, I'm not. I'm definitely not being lazy. I'm trying to get out. But <laughs> this place is a big place. Well, if you go, you should go down to South Beach because it's only ten minutes. It's near the airport. It's like ten minutes from there to the airport. Yeah, yeah, may do, may do. Yeah, that's what you should do. Right. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a two-week break. Well, F1 is taking a two-week break, so we shall join it. Uh, and then they come thick and fast. We're returning to Europe, as we said. It will be Imola, Monaco, and then Spain. A triple header. Uh, so it's going to be a busy run. We will find out if the Mercedes car is actually going to work. We will find out if Verstappen can continue his dominance. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the meantime, you can catch us on all of the usual social channels. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do rate and review us. It does help us hugely and we're very grateful uh, for your time in doing so. So until next time, thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.